I'm sighing because this is so sad. Like, this is the last chapter, and I haven't read it yet, but I'm going to be reading it for the first time with you guys. Like, I can't, like, I can't believe this story is actually coming to an end. It doesn't really feel like it should be finished. Like, it's like a mid-season, you know, like, one of those... If it was a TV show, it would be, like, episode 12, right? And it's like, oh, I gotta wait until the spring for episode 13 kind of deal right now. That's how I'm feeling. So I hope you guys have been enjoying this ride with me. I've been enjoying reading it. Um, so I'm not gonna give a long speech or talk forever, but I really did enjoy this one, and it was, super, again, this is Supernatural Academy by Maria Grant, um, so that, you know, this book's almost, this book is done, oh my gosh, you guys, so this book is done, I have a Facebook page, YA Audio Podcast, go check it out, let me know what book you guys want to hear next, um, but yeah, I'm also going to be doing a new podcast called Wine and Murder, and so I love like murder mysteries and stuff, and I love wine, so I'm just going to be getting drunk and just telling you guys about like murder stories, so check that out too. I'm going to launch that probably next week while I'm still doing this one too, so um yeah without further ado let's finish this book up and anybody who's still with me thank you so much for being with me my first ever podcast so i'm stumbling along with it with the rest of you guys um but yeah chapter 26 the very last chapter oh halloween eve it seems like the leaves have changed overnight Autumn colors stain the leaves brown, orange, and red as the leaves litter the streets. It's such a gorgeous and peaceful sight. If only Kaya could enjoy the change of scenery. She hasn't been feeling well lately. There's been too much energy drumming up that she's consuming it at an alarming rate. Reed has had his entire life training to deal with the energy, but Kaya is new and her body is acting as a sponge for all the discarded energy lying about. With Yaris lurking around the corner, the council waiting for one of them to mess up, Reed stressing himself out with practicing spells, and hunters unknowingly working for Yaris, the whole thing is a mess. Then there is the fact that hunters are following Yaris's order to try and open up the realm beasts. A sad realm with beasts so frightening and uncontrollable, Lucifer had them locked away because he could no longer control them. Then there is also Anders, who keeps having the same reoccurring dream of Kaya dying. She stopped asking him about it. He seems sad and frustrated, and Kaya knows there's nothing he can do about his premonitions. She doesn't blame him. She doesn't blame anyone. It is what it is. All Anders knows is that on the day of the blood moon, Kaya will die. And if Madare is correct, that means on Halloween she will die. Halloween used to be Kaya's favorite holiday. She would dress up like a princess or a superhero or a witch or her favorite Disney character and get all the candy. People always said she was so adorable and would give her even extra. She loved that. Loved how innocent and free the holiday was, just filled with dressing up and getting free stuff. Who wouldn't love that? But now her favorite memory will forever be stained with the scar of her inevitable death. 
Yaris has been playing with her the whole time. He has stolen Kaya's father's memories. And he stole Kaya's father's ghost. While showing Anders exactly how he planned on killing Kaya the entire time. Passing it off as a vision from the beyond. Yaris is sick and cruel. He's a monster. A creature from the pits of hell. How could he have ever been an angel? It makes Kaya wonder if God even exists at all. Fallen or not, Yaris is a beast. Kaya is convinced he will somehow kill the other three survivors. Then her. She's not dumb. She knows this is all going, all going according to his plan. He's a trickster for a reason. The only thing Kaya can do is wait. Wait and train because she won't go down without a fight. Her mother's the same way. She's been telling Kaya every day that she loves her, and Kaya knows. She knows her mother loves her with all her heart. When Kaya dies, she'll have no regrets. Hey, Kaya. Kaya lifts her head up and sees Chase approaching her. He comes and sits beside her under the tree in Kaya's backyard. I've been calling your name, but you were lost in thought, he inquires. Yeah, sorry, she apologizes half-heartedly. A lot on my mind. Hmm. Halloween is two days away, Chase comments, as he picks up a piece of grass and starts twirling it in his fingers. Is there anything you want to do? Just in case? In case I die in two days? Is left unsaid. Hmm. She puts her fingers on her chin and hums in contemplation. I've done a solo spell. I'm learning how to control my powers and I've made peace with my mom and my death. My friend is only content. Have you ever pet a wolf? Kaya looks up and sees Chase standing with a grin on his face. He takes off his shirt. Can't say that I have. She laughs easily. Now close your eyes. She does as she's told and doesn't open them until a nose is nudging on her leg. Surprisingly, she doesn't startle at the massive animal in front of her. Chase is a little above average height for a male, but this wolf... It's two of Kaya standing on top of each other. Chase, she whispers as she goes to rub between his eyes. So soft, she coos, and she touches the feather like fur between her fingertips. The wolf is all gray with streaks of white on the ears. His eyes are crystal blue and his teeth look like canines off of a dinosaur. She puts her face close and rubs the fur against her cheeks. She would love to wear slippers out of this fur. Thank you. She whispers, and he nudges her with his hand. She hums and hugs him. He tightens up, and she relents. Wolves don't like their necks to be touched. She almost forgot. Pulling away, she lays down, and Chase goes with her, covering half of her body with his massive form. They lay like that until Reed comes out to practice spells. Oddly enough... The sweet jester takes her worries away, even if just for a moment. It's now the following day and Kaya skips classes to stay home. Exams are tomorrow and so is Halloween. If she dies, what's the point in having studied in the first place? Right now, Reed is practicing spells in the backyard since he's done for today, and the others are finishing up their classes. Sighing, Kaya looks up in her water cup and uses her left index finger to make the water swirl around as she lifts it up and out of the glass. 
lights flashing in the corner of the living room startle her, and the water comes crashing onto the couch. She curses and stands, placing the cup on the floor before heading to the front door and looking out at the people. The flashing light means someone with ill intentions have crossed the spell lines. Fearing the worst, she runs out back and interrupts Reed, who's drenched in sweat. <sighs> What's going on? He pants as he goes to grab his water bottle. The council... Kaya can't finish her sentence. Reed, we were looking for you. Parkas approaches, a nervous-looking Reed is here. Kaya finishes lamely. I'm chaining right now. Reed places his bottle on the ground and closes his eyes. Parkas' left eye twitches and he grabs a hold of Reed's jaw. Reed tightens up and backs, tightens up his back and smacks a hand off of him, which leaves everyone surprised. Reed looks pissed. Kaya can only... Kaya has only seen the team this way when someone is offending Anders. An angry Reed is not something Kaya wants to cross. Did you just touch me? Parkas asks in a humorous tone mixed with disbelief and disgust. I said I was training and you grabbed my face. Reed defends. Don't do that again. Reed! Kaya whispers his name harshly. There are four council members standing before them and no witnesses. Kaya would really like to not die a day before destiny has planned for her to. What is going on with you? Kaya turns to face him. Nothing. Reed dismisses her. He's been like this recently, though. Always on edge and stressed. Anders is worried Reed has taken on too much, but Reed insists he's just feeling truth is. The more dark spells Reed practices, the more he feels himself changing. He's angry more. He can't seem to get enough power and is short-tempered. Trying to hide these traits have been the hardest part of this all. I'm sure he's been doing spells from the Forbidden Book. He got in New York. Nathaniel chimes in from behind Parkas. Dark magic takes a toll on a person's soul. Does it look like I do dark magic? Reed widens his arms. I'm practicing spells so I can become stronger. Or have you forgotten that druids are working with hunters to sacrifice people and Yars is out killing descendants of the coven that put his lover away? It leads me to wonder why the council has so much time to bother me instead of dealing with everything else. Remedy's nose twitches out of obvious frustration. Read Martavius Pool. Parkas walks until his till his nose knows where Reed. This is your final warning. Parkas Leonard Tabor. Reese marks in return. Have you forgotten my father is a part of a large hunting association? He would love to know a group of rogue council members were running around threatening his son. Is that so? Parkas questions in a low manner, slow manner. It is. Reed says back in a cocky tone. I know you have the book, Reed. Parker says in his ear. That spell we caught you finishing up was a spell from that book. Next time you do a forbidden spell and we catch it, we will kill you on the spot. Reed doesn't swallow, but Kaya can see his hand tremor a bit. Parker turns and walks back in the house and out the front door. His fellow council member is falling behind him. Declan is right, Kaya says once she knows the council member's out of hearing rage. He does look like the type who should wear a cape. Reed laughs despite his frightened state. 
loses composure as he drops to the ground. Oh my god, I thought he was going to kill me. Reed shakes. I don't know why they're so obsessed with me. Kaya hears the submission, but for some reason, a small part of her thinks Reed just might be lying. He did want to go to New York out the blue. He got really mad when everyone else showed up. He's been practicing these weird spells nonstop since they've returned, and he's been hiding stuff from Anders. If Reed doesn't have a forbidden book, he's definitely not completely innocent either. It's okay, Kyan says instead of her thoughts. It'll work out in the end. She tries to comfort him like he has her. In the end, there's nothing any of them can do but watch as things unfold. As Kaya and Reed try to cope with their run-in with the council, Mrs. Guard is in her office awaiting news of her own. Inside her office, head Mrs. Guard clicks her pen over and over again as she stares out the window. Sighing, she spins around in her chair and waits for her next appointment to arrive. Mitch is running 15 minutes late. Something must be wrong. A twinge of worry consumes her gut as a rapid knock is heard on the door before it's opening on its own. Headmistress, Mitch bows as if she's the queen and he's one of her subjects. It's such an odd trait, but she can't seem to get him to break out of it. Please, tell me you have good news, Mrs. Guard pleads. Mitch takes his seat and clears his throat. We did manage to track the druid down who killed Max and kidnapped the vampire. Mitch starts, and Mrs. Guard does not like the somber tone. He killed himself before he could talk. Damn it! She slams her hand on the table. That's not all. Mitch continues on. The North Carolina senator has been doing tours to campaign for re-election. He's made his way this way. So heavy press has been in the area. With the council randomly showing up in town, it's made people notice. The type of people who do not know of this world, but would love to profit off of exploiting it. Are you saying we can't keep the press at bay? Mrs. Gar raises a brow. I'm saying our students are at risk of being exposed and our illusionist is still out on a mission. Mitch says slowly, he's not our only illusionist, Mrs. Guard reminds him. Mitch leans forward in his seat. You can't be talking about Yates. Mitch has to be sure he's hearing Kyrie. He's just a boy. Do you really think he can cast an illusion big enough to hide the entire school? Mrs. Guard sighs and looks out the window again. Such a nice day outside. You get all of this weight is holding her hostage to remaining behind her desk. He doesn't have a choice. She finally responds. Call him to my office, please. But before you do, how long do you think before the senator will make his rounds this way? Three hours? Mitch apologizes in, her, in his response. I'll fetch Yates. Thank you, is all she can say as she responds and waits. Thankfully, she doesn't have to wait long before her door is open and in walks Yates along with Malcolm. She raises her brows in question and squints her eyes in confusion. I figured I could be of help as well, Malcolm reads her thoughts. Invasive little shit, aren't you? Malcolm ducks his head to hide his flushed cheeks. I can transfer thoughts up to 15 people at a time. If something goes wrong with Yates, I can make them believe they aren't seeing what they're seeing. 
We can use all the help we can get at this point, Mrs. Garth says. Her thanks. We'll keep the tour to a minimum of 15 people then. She looks to Yates and nods. Can you do this? Yates shrugs and puts his hands in his pocket. It takes a lot out of me to create illusions for multiple people at once. Yates remembers New York and how he exhausted himself with just that small group. But I'll do what I can. What exactly do you want them to see? Thank you. She says earnestly. I wouldn't ask if it wasn't dire. They just need to see something normal. Nothing about what's really going on. Yeah, I get that. He mumbles. A part of Gates is secretly happy about this. He's always in the background because that's what he prefers. But at the same time, his gift isn't powerful like the others in his opinion. It's not useful in a battle. It can't hurt anyone. But now, knowing that he's the only person on campus who can help them out in this situation, he's starting to understand what Reed was telling him. His gift is powerful in his own right. Senator Lucas will be here soon with a group of his media entourage. Mrs. Gard explains, when they arrive, I have one of our teachers ready to block any recordings and I have some succubuses on standby to knock them out with seduction spells if things get out of hand. Is it that serious then? The succubus squad? Malcolm didn't think this situation was that serious. The succubus squad is composed of seven succubuses who can enter any room and seduce the entire place, all falling under their spells. These seven women are dangerous, leaving nothing to chance. Not with the council in town, Mrs. Gar says like a warning. If we get discovered, the council will kill those humans on command, and that will only lead to suspicions, investigations, and more trouble for us. So, Yates, I need for you to walk with the tour guide. Anything supernatural related, make sure they don't see it. Got it. Yates agrees. That means our, all of our classrooms, our pictures, the hallways, everything, the library, the books. Yeah, Mrs. Gar responds. She looks out the window and sees a foot of black SUVs driving up. Turning back to face, she claps her, to face them, she claps her hands together and stands. Mr. Pierce and Mr. and Miss Weston are clearing out the vampire dorms and hiding as many missing students as possible. If any student is walking about, do an illusion as well. Of course. Gates takes a deep breath and follows behind the headmistress. There's no turning back now. He's glad Malcolm came up with came with him as form of support. Gates does understand the direness of the situation, though. Most vampires who are considered missing by family members end up here. I have your back, Malcolm whispers in Gates' ear, and the shorter teen appreciates the comment. Taking another deep breath, Yates walks from the office to the lobby on the first floor. Standing there wearing an all-black suit is Senator Lucas with six people surrounding him with cameras, notepads, and one lady has two bottles of water in a hand and towel. Welcome, Senator Lucas, Mrs. Guy flashes on a fake smile. I'll ask that all recording devices be put away. We have a signal blocker in here so kids won't text during class. That, and we enjoy our privacy, I'm sure you understand. The senator looks a bit confused, but ushers for his staff to listen. I completely understand. Senator Lucas smiles. I'm sorry for showing up on such short notice. I was wondering if I could speak to some of your classrooms or the older students, maybe Torbit. This school is very exclusive. I'm surprised I was even allowed to step foot here. He's looking up and around at everything, mouth open in curiosity. I'll have to check and see. 
Mrs. Garsh shuts him down politely. In the meantime, please allow myself along with two of our students here to escort you around. I appreciate that. Senator seems gleeful. When was this building erected? 1854. Our founders. Mrs. Guy trails on and the tour commences. Gay spends the entire time on high alert, causing illusions for a book that randomly starts floating thanks to a five-year-old magical. Then there was a blood bag left in the trash can from one of the night class vampires. All the classrooms got an illusion done as well as some students. By the end of the tour, Gates has depleted his strength. He won't be able to help Reed complete the spell tonight. You're weakened. Mrs. Garth says an alarm as Gates collapses to the ground the moment the senator and his crew leaves. Let's get you some rest before Mama Murray literally has me killed. Gates hums but doesn't have the strength for much else. As his eyes close shut, he hopes it all works out in the end. He passes out and gets taken home when an angry Yamada shows up soon after. You had no right, an angry Yamada shouts as she enters the house the Magicals are staying at. You had him exert his gifts to the full max, and now he's out cold. Mrs. Guard feared this would be the response from Yamada. How does she find out so fast? Mrs. Guard inquires mentally. The boy does seem sort of strained. Yamada touches Gates' forehead and is completely unhelpful. His breathing is faint as well. Magical exhaustion at his finest. Poor boy. Thank you for telling me about... This after getting a vision, mother. Yamada thinks, Madare. Ah, oh, that's how she found out. Damn Sears. Were you going to tell me that you were using my son as some sort of pawn? Don't talk to my mom like that, Sophie stands up. Yates knew what he was getting into and he accepted it. It's not like she forced him, Sophie. Mrs. Guy warns sternly. Her daughter is loyal to a fault. Mrs. Murray. It was not my intention for harm to come to your son. The senator lasted longer than he should have. We didn't have enough time to prep the academy, and Gates had to conceal a lot of items. He used up a lot of energy, but with the rest, he'll be just fine. <laughs> Sophie glares at Yamada and dares a woman accuse her mother of anything else. Fine. Yamada turns to Orphis and nods towards Jace's body. Orphis, take him to my house with us. Emoji has enough to deal with now that the last survivors are at her house. As for you, headmistress, do this to my son again and there will be no more academy when I'm through. Orphis nods and does as he's told, leaving everyone to sigh at the whirlwind that is Yamada Murray. Whew, she's scary as shit. Declan shakes his head and pants like he's been holding his breath or something. Fucked. I mean, I thought she was going to kill us and I had nothing to do with it. I want you all to stay put tonight, Mrs. Guard warns. With the blood moon coming, the wolves are going to be a lot more uncontrollable. Everyone agrees, and she leaves, but as soon as she does, Reed stands. I need to go practice. Reed starts to head away, but Anna stops him. Tell me, why is the council after you so much? Anna demands to know. Tell me why they think you have something to do with the Druid book. Because you have been acting different lately. You've been stressed, lying to me, practicing more than anything, bad tempering. You've been skipping classes like exams aren't important. What is going on? I'll explain it all soon. Read, please. Just believe me when I say this is something I have to do for me. Anders seems to cave and re his hands together. Thank you, Anders. 
your current trainer is out of commission. Malcolm mentions to Reed as he refers to Gates. I'll go with you. Thanks, man. Reed thinks, and the two of them walk out the front door. I'll go get some company, Declan announces. He stands up. Then, Anders, you're with me, Sophie commands. We are going to throw Kaya a kick-ass party for Halloween tomorrow, and we aren't going to worry about anything else. Kaya, you stay put and try to get some rest. Anders shrugs to Kaya as he gets dragged out of the house as well, leaving Kaya alone with her thoughts. Not wanting to think about her impending death tomorrow, she sends a text to Chase. Chase tells her to meet him at the park about a mile away off campus. Says he's there releasing some energy building up due to the blood moon. She agrees and has out on her journey to the park. This might just be the last time she can enjoy being alive. The last time she takes a walk and the last time she hangs out at a park. She has to take advantage of it the best way she can. While Kai is off meeting with Chase, Emoji is at her house dealing with her own problems. Emoji can feel her hands tingling, and she knows it's because she's nervous. Something isn't right. Finding the descendants was easy. Too easy. There's something Madurai. This is something Madurai also agrees with. Emoji has called in a magic tracker friend of hers. And Lynette, named Lynette. And Lynette says that the three descendants have about 1% of the original bloodline. But Kaya has 67%. Why were those three left alive for so long? Why has Kaya been left alive? She looks down at her phone and sees a text from Madurai making sure the coven is prepared for tomorrow. She replies yes and that they should do a spell tonight just in case. She can't help shake the feeling. Emoji. Duncan, a fellow cover member, calls out to her. You're acting this way, you're leaving me on edge right now. He's an empath. How could she have forgotten? Sorry, Duncan. He tries to fake a smile that looks more like a grimace. I think something's wrong and that we should do a spell tonight. What kind of spell? Duncan gets closer to her as he asks. A chain lock spell. Moji nibbles on her index finger as she thinks. If we cast a spell on the door to Asgard, Yaris won't know. He would have to undo that spell before trying to break his lover out. An extra sailing spell? Declan makes sure he understands. That will take a lot of magic. We have the numbers. Emoji is in turn. I need to fetch some ingredients. Call my sister and tell her I say this spell is paramount. Duncan looks hesitant but follows directions as he calls Yamada. Emoji has no idea what's going to happen tonight, but it's nothing good. Someone will die. As Emoji gets the spell going, everyone else continues on with their day. The day begins to dim, and the once yellow sun turns orange and red, red as dust settles and turns into night. The sky glowing a slight orange. Everyone is scattered about, and no one has any ideas of what's about to conspire. First, there are Sophie and Anders, who are at the house setting up. Anders, do it right, Sophie complains as she unravels some string so she can hang it from the walls. Hey, I am doing it right, Anders mumbles back as he gets tangled up in some string. He twists around and trips as he growls at the red and pink strings covering his legs. It's stupid anyways. Not like Kaya would care about some string where her life might be ending in some hours. No, you aren't. 
Sophie shouts. Her face is red, and tears are beginning to swell up in her eyes. This has to be perfect. This has this is her last night, and it has to. Sophie falls to the floor, and Andrew crawls until he can put her in his lap. Hey, he soothes. You've been so strong until now. I was waiting for this. Anders admits that he hugs her tight. She's like a sister. Sophie whispers through snot in a wet voice. And we promised we would find a way to save her. We don't even know anything at all. Yaris will kill her tomorrow night. And there's not a damn thing we can do about it but watch and wait. Then I'll have to see her ghost and that hurts. She's not dead yet, Sophie. Anders tries to console her. Come on. Let's make sure she goes out with a bang, yeah? Sophie nods and allows herself to be picked up by Anders. She'll go all out for Kaya. That's the least Sophie can do. While the two of them decorate the house, Malcolm and Reed reach just outside of town where there is a ley line surrounded by a bunch of trees. Malcolm stands off to the side and watches as Reed takes off his shirt and closes his eyes briefly before opening them. I have to place the candles in an affinity shape, Reed explains as he places the candles in their quiet shape. He reaches in his pocket and takes out a lighter before lighting a pile of sticks and then lighting the candles. Putting the lighter away, he reaches in his bag for a bottle of water and pours it onto the ground. Closing his eyes, he steps inside of everything he just laid out. Fire to the north, candles to the south, water to the east, and a pile of dirt to the west. He raises his arms up and the wind begins to swirl all around them. Trees swaying like in the middle of a storm. Using the earth, wind, fire, and water, bounding by the power willed up in under my command for infinity. I use these ley lines in the earth to bound a soul and free them from death. Kaige could tell. Reed takes a hair from his pocket and places it by his feet. Your life will be bound to this earth by this spell. Malcolm feels the wind start to pick up and he has to squint to avoid leaves and dirt getting in his eyes. Fiat sacrifium. Vitam inam pratium pratium ad vitae est. En hakatim vita castiad pactam. Ut sacrifit alius ultimus pratium. Et cum presidio. Et tandem en unum adamarum binding. Potentia extera aqua ventus ignis sacrifi absolvot. Non Patrun signiclum hoc est fatum. It's done. Ray closes his eyes and the blood starts to fall from his nose as he collapses. While the bonding spell he did, while doing the bonding spell, he did a transference spell at the same time so he could bind Kaya's life to the ley lines instead of himself or Malcolm. He doesn't have the strength to even think of hoping it works. He used up too much power. Now he feels he will pay the ultimate price. He just hopes his sacrifice will finally save another life than himself, other than himself. As Reed closes his eyes, he can't help but wonder if the council will kill him after finding out what he's done. While Malcolm rushes to Reed, Declan is waiting on the couch at the Murray's household. 
He's currently with, twisting Gates' hair as his friend sleeps. All the while, Emoji is storming the house with a fleet of coven members. We're doing this here? Madare complains. Not enough time. Yamada is growing anxious. Night has fallen upon us. And if you look up at the sky, the moon looks a bit orange, does it not? Madare jumps up and looks out the window. No. That can't be. Madare shakes her head. She whips out her phone and checks the blood moon thing. It's supposed to be on Halloween. In ten more minutes, it will be Halloween. Emoji says sadly. It's been bothering me. Because I couldn't figure out why we were missing something important. It's not happening tomorrow night. It's happening tonight. At midnight. The moon turns a little orange tonight. And blooms fully tomorrow. We just assume. He tricked us. Madare sounds defeated. And Declan feels a chill creeping up his entire body. Kaya. Madare. The vision you got. Declan's mouth goes dry. Yaris, he can give fake visions. What? Madare shouts. Why didn't we know about this? Anders just found out himself. Declan states, Kaya got a vision from the sirens. Sirens? De Duncan interrupts. Yes. Declan waves him off. Kaya went to Portland, was like, air and chase, werewolves. What is going on? Emoji places her hands on her head. Stop interrupting. Declan complains. Kaya got a vision from the sirens, and her showed Yaris killed her father, stole his memories, and essentially pretended to be his spirit so he could give Anders visions. He's been here the whole time, orchestrating everything. And when were you going to let us in on this? Emoji shouts in disbelief. We forgot. Declan screams back. Exams were coming up. Drama was unfolding. My mom told me she was a magical. Reed kept disappearing, and I don't know. Kaya's gonna die. Declan runs out of steam and sits down on the couch. Gate stirs, but then falls back into a deep sleep. No time for the what-ifs. Yamada looks stern. There are 29 of us in this room right now. We have everything we need. Let's go ahead and cast a spell to trap Yaris and Asgard. Declan grabs some hands. You're joining us. While the coven places everything they need to start the spell. Mr. Patel sits at home with his wife and the twins' parents, Mr. and Mrs. Poole. Mr. Patel bounces his leg up and down as he smokes a cigar and looks at the clock anxiously. You did the right thing, Mrs. Poole says to Mr. Patel, telling us that Yaris was behind orchestrating the hunters. If I had known I was working for that devil, I would have killed him if given the chance, Mr. Poole sneers. He would have killed you, darling, Mrs. Poole says earnestly. The man was conniving enough to convince druids and hunters to do his work for him. The rest of the hunters didn't believe me, though. Mr. Patel shakes his head as he looks at a long puff of smoke. They should have enough sacrifices by now. You did all you could, Mrs. Patel passed her husband's leg. Now we wait. I just hope our children are safe. As the four people sit around and wait for the fallout of the hunters committing sacrifices around the globe, Kaya's laughing while chasing the park. Chase is tired now. He's been shifting off and on for hours in the dark outside. Not wanting to go home just yet, he shifts back to his human form and puts on his, his clothes. We need to find some water. Drunk all mine, Chase tells Kaya, who nods and walks with him. I think there's a fountain nearby. 
They walked past a bench and a trail to find some bathrooms and a fishing pond. Chase goes to get some water when he freezes due to a familiar scent. He looks up and sees Zaire walking towards him. Come on, we're leaving. Zaire grabs Chase's arm, and Chase struggles as his feet speed up to keep up with him in the fast pace. No, I'm not. Chase tries to free himself. Stop pulling on my arm. That freak is on his way here. We're leaving, Zaire shouts. Chase stops moving, and so does Kaya. She knows Chase and Zaire are arguing, but their voices are muffled out as she looks up at the sky. The moon looks orange, and according to her watch, it's five minutes until midnight. Five minutes until Halloween. We got the timing wrong. Dread fills her entire body. How does one respond when they know they're about to die? I can't leave her. Chase's voice sounds hoarse and shaky like his worst fears are being played out. Then you would die. Zaire tells him coldly, that Hybrid freak will slaughter you where you stand. And then he will kill her. This is not packed business. Let's go. We have another battle to prepare for. You don't understand anything. He convinced the druids to make sacrifices. Chase yells back at Zaire. Max died. He was killed and his blood was used as a sacrifice. Please don't tell me this isn't packed business. Zaire sneers and drops Chase's arm. Max was a stupid kid. Like you are if you think you can fight that fucker and survive. Zaire bites back. That kid in Japan didn't believe me either. And he died all this same. I'm leaving. And I won't stay to help. When you die, I'll tell your parents who gave you a life for nothing. Zaire looks to Kaya and shakes his head before stripping and running into his wolf form it flip. He runs away. And Kaya looks at Chase with water. Leave. She whispers as her body shakes. Please leave. She begins. She begs him as her body gets overwhelmed with energy. Some massive powers are coming her way and she can feel the energy. The power. Please leave. She shells louder this time. How could I leave you alone? Chase lets tears stain his cheeks. He grabs onto Kaya's hands and pulls her to his chest. You're asking the impossible here. He lets her know. I've grown to care about you, Kaya. I can't abandon you. Stupid loyal wolf, you'll die. Kaya screams into his chest. How was my spirit supposed to move on while knowing your life ended because of me? You have to go. She doesn't want anyone to die for her, to suffer for her. First her father, now Chase. No, she won't let that happen. She refuses to let anyone die for her ever again. Kaya. Chase, please. Yes, Kaya. A deep and airy voice calls out to her. A tall figure wearing a black coat walks out from the clearing and stalks up to the two of them. Chase shifts without warning and attacks. A long skeleton arm comes from the cloak and lifts Chase up in the air before slamming him down to the ground. Chase! Kaya screams as she looks up to the sky before calling for lightning to cast down a yard. Flies Bolts strike from the darkened clouds, and Yars is last as he's struck. He doesn't flinch, but it does give Chase enough time to get up. Yaris goes to lift Chase again, but Chase is quick this time and fights through the levitation as he gets close enough to nip at Yaris' ankle. Annoyed, Yaris swirls his hand in a circle and mumbles something out of his breath that has Chase arching his back in pain before being slung halfway across the clearing. Chase doesn't get back up. And Kaya tries to run a chase, but her body is frozen. 
With tear-stained cheeks, her body turns around on its own, and she is face-to-face with a monster. Fuck you. She spits at him, and he lies at her antics. The other three survivors don't have enough coven blood for me to worry about, Yaris tells her. You are the only thing standing in my way of opening Asgard. I'm glad you were able to play my game for so long, just like the others. Actually, I don't even need you anymore at all. You've already played my game so well, just like your father. Kaya wants to scream. She wants to shout. She wants to kill this man standing in front of her but what he did for what he did to her father. But she can't. She's not strong enough. She's not wise enough. She let the trickster dictate her life for too long without even knowing she's pathetic. And now a good friend of hers might be dead and he, there's literally nothing she can do about it. This hopeless feeling she has, it feels like defeat. Fuck you. She says weakly one last time. This is all going according to my plan. Yars admits in a creepy voice. Right now, there are a bunch of magicals casting a spell that will reunite me with my body. Kaya freezes. Her body? Her voice quivers. No, that's not possible. Your lover was locked away and Yaris laughs once again. (laughs) I'm a trickster, he shrugs. I spread rumors, create chaos, and make distractions to keep the truth from getting out. The truth is Lucifer cursed me. With this skeleton body that is decaying. So I created me a real body to inhabit. That body was sent away to Asgard because I was too powerful. And now I've created enough chaos to get a powerful enough coven involved. To send me to be reunited with my body. Then Kaya's legs start shaking. And she feels numb all over at the same time. Hearing hammering in her chest. This was all a part of his plan. He knew If she went to this school, she would meet Yaris. With gates coming from a powerful coven. A coven so powerful they would be able to send Yaris to Asgard. That's all he wanted all along. To go to Asgard. He just had to push enough buttons to make that happen. So why kill me? If this is all a distraction, then why kill me? Because I can. Yaris tells her calmly. He doesn't need a reason. He'll take a life merely because he can This is Kaya's fate. I'm going to kill you now. He sticks out his other arm, this one human, and he lifts her body up and floats her to the pond. He slams her underwater and puts a spell over the pond so she can't get out of it. She doesn't know a counterspell. She didn't really practice. She didn't really think this through. She thought she had more time. She thinks about Reed almost drowning when he was a child and tries to be one with the water. She tries to control it. It doesn't work. The counterspell is too strong, so she struggles. She fights. She thinks about her mom, her dad, her new friends. She thinks about her first time drinking and getting high and meeting vampires. She thinks about her first spell and even her first kiss. Right now, her life is literally flashing before her eyes. While Kaya is underwater, Sophie and Declan are spraying each other with silly string. Malcolm is driving Reed to the nurse on campus. Mrs. Guide is working with Mitch to find a way to protect the school. Zaire is preparing for the aftermath with his father. The council members are on the way to get back up. And Declan is holding Gates' hand and Emoji's hand as the Murrays and their coven start chanting for a casting spell. Yaris will be sent to Asgard without a way out. 
Everyone is living in the moment simultaneously without knowing what the other is going through. Then there is Kaya, the teen who is literally fighting for her life. The water is burning her eyes and she's trying to gasp for water, but the water is filling her lungs. Her arms are failing around and her legs are kicking wildly. She grabs at her throat and her body feels like it's on fire from the inside out. She struggles so hard and it's not fair. Nothing is finished. Her story is incomplete. None of this is right. Her life is like a story and she's supposed to be at the beginning. She was supposed to graduate, go to college, make mistakes, get a boyfriend, get married, have a family, travel, make more mistakes, find God and go through several midlife crises. Instead, her story has been cut off mid-sentence. As her eyes close for what feels like the last time, she can't help but be saddened at the fact that her story will never be complete. One moment she was laughing and alive and the next is simply the end. Oh my gosh, you guys, that's how it ended. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, it ends with it's simply the end. Like, I am like shook right now. Oh. <laughs> I need a part two. I hate when they leave you with the cliffhanger. There must be a part two to this, you guys. Oh my god. This uh alright. I hope you guys like that. If you're still listening to this, please go to my Facebook page at YA Audio Podcast. Again, at YA Audio Podcast. Let me know how you guys like the book. Um, send me a message, a comment, something. Favorite this podcast, like it. I will be starting a new book soon, um, so I'll be reading from that. Um, but yeah, this book is over. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it ended like that. Oh, how am I supposed to sleep tonight? It's like so unresolved. All right, but I hope you guys liked it, and I hope you guys have a great, great time with this book. Read, please listen to all the other chapters. Again, check out my Facebook page at YA Audio Podcast. Let me know how you feel.